So I'm going to turn to the third epistle of John tonight. You got that, Jacob, for us? Maybe. There we go. And may think my opening is strange. Uh, you may think my direction with what I'm doing is strange. But if you will bear with me for a few moments tonight, um, I do believe I have a direction that's going to help us as a body individually and also corporately as a body. So, um, bear with me. The third epistle of John, verse 1 here. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, Gaius, I'm not sure how you say it, I'm going to say Gaius. If I'm wrong, you can correct me later. Or just humor me. Uh, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. Everybody say prosper. And be in health even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. Even as thou walkest in the truth. He said, even as thy soul prospereth. Lord, help us tonight. Open up our hearts, our mind, our thinking. Help us to receive what you have for us tonight. God, I pray that we would be challenged, inspired by your word tonight, God. In the name of Jesus. Church, say amen. Thank you for standing. Again, it's so good to have Tristan's friend in church with us tonight. Amen. Glad to see Preston's drive here today. Make it safe. Got Sister Lisa here safe. Appreciate that. I, I'm, I'm very glad to have Preston here. And um, everyone, not just him, everybody. Glad you're here tonight. Um, our modern thinking of prosperity is a little different than a biblical thinking of what prosperity is. Uh, most people think that you are prospering based on your accumulated things. Um, how new of a car you have, how nice of a home you have, um, how many friendships you have, um, whether you've had the newest um, iPhone or the newest um, other phones, whatever them things are, the Android, is that what they are? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm just picking. Um, whether you know the right people, you're able to hang out with the right people. That's what a lot of people think that true prosperity is. But that is not what true prosperity is. Um, John, when he wrote to Gaius, he said, He wished above all things that he may prosper and be in health, even as his soul prospered. He was telling him, I hope that you do prosper in health. As your soul prospered. He, but he went on to say, he said, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified the truth that is in thee. 
And he went on to say that even as thou walkest in the truth, John wished that Gaius prospered in health. Sister Michelle, he rejoiced of the truth in him. He rejoiced in how he walked in truth. And he rejoiced in how his, not his health prospered, but how his soul had prospered. So, it is important that to us as humanity that we do prosper. I, I, won't, I hope that everybody has a good home. I hope everybody has a nice um, car, vehicle, nicest phone you can get, all that kind of stuff. I, I hope you can have that. I hope that you, you're healthy as you can be. I think we should strive to be healthy. Um, I mean, that's a whole other sermon, but let me just say it. I, I think you just, you know, I don't think you can just eat any way you want to eat, do anything you want to do as far as your health. I think you'll stand in judgment for some of that stuff. We've got to be healthy. I think our, soul, our, our, our health should prosper, but the most important thing in our life that should prosper should be our soul. That's what should prosper. If, Chastity, I never have a brand new home, Never have I never able to even buy a home and I have to rent all my life. I always have to uh, drive a beater car, as they call it. You know, you you don't know if you're going to be jumped before you go back home or not, and uh, you have you have no idea if you're going to be able to make it home and all that kind of stuff. But what's more important is that our soul prospers. That's the most important thing, because this soul has got to be stronger towards the Lord. Because it's very possible for us to be free of, of, of addictions to, you know, all, the, all of our addictions out there, you know, the alcohol, drugs, gambling, or nicotine, pornography, gaming, shopping. It's very possible that we're free from that kind of stuff and still be bound by doubt, Fear, pride, materialism, we're complacent. We, we're, we're free from what some people would see as the vices of life that would cause you to lose out with God. Yet, the scripture in 20, Revelation 21.8 says that the bondable, the unbelievers, the fearful, it still says those will not inherit the kingdom of God, along with other lists. So, I, I know, I have... I've known very good Christian people that live good, clean lives. Yet, they're bound by anger. They're bound by resentment. They're, they're held in prison because of wrongs that had been done against them and they're still stuck in that spot. Although they might not have the vices of life. I've known of people who, they wouldn't think of drinking a drop of alcohol or shooting anything in their veins they shouldn't have. And they wouldn't put anything in their body or mouth, whatever that maybe we call would defile their body, yet they'd be quick to jump in the middle of a gossip or in the middle of some controversial conversation. It is the will of God that we are delivered from both within and without. It is the will of God to be totally delivered from the sins of the flesh and of the spirit. 
That is the will of God. I, I don't only need to be delivered from the worldly things that try to get me, but I also need to be delivered from myself. And that brings me to this spot. In Matthew chapter 17, I will not read it all, but if you're those who take notes, you can read the rest of it. You can read it in its entirety later. Matthew 17, 14 through 21. Um, the man came to Jesus, said, have mercy on, he said, have mercy on my son. He's a lunatic. Now, a lot of us might think our kids are lunatics, right? But this man, his son was really, he was, he was possessed. He said he would fall in the fire, fall in the water. He had spirit on him. He took him to the disciples, and this man said, I, I took him to the disciples, but your disciples couldn't do nothing with him. And Jesus turned around, and he said, you faithless and perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I going to suffer with you? Bring him to me. Jesus just simply rebuked the devil, and the devil went out of him. And the child was cured from that very spot. And here's the thing. A little bit later, the disciples went to Jesus apart from everybody else because they, maybe they was embarrassed. He said, they asked Jesus the question, said, why could we not cast that devil out? And Jesus said to them, verse 20, he said, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say to you, if you have faith the grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth out not, this kind goeth out not out by, but prayer and fasting. I'm going to title up there. I want to talk about this tonight. How to prosper the soul. How do we prosper our soul? Jesus, in this passage, gives us a, a huge key in what it takes to have real deliverance in our lives. Because that's how our soul is going to really prosper. Is when, Sister, Sister Janet, we have real deliverance. Sister Hussey, we have this real deliverance where we've been set free. Not only from what everybody else sees, but also from what I'm dealing with in here. From the anger and the hurt and all this stuff. That's, that's the real deliverance. This is how, that is when the soul is really prospering and doing well. And you see this man, he had a son, he was possessed with the spirit. And, and as we I went through it, he, he took it to the disciples and thought maybe they could help, but when we see, you know, they couldn't do it. And Jesus delivers him quickly. And when they went to Jesus, why could we not cast him out? Maybe because they were walking with Jesus, maybe they thought the power of deliverance was just automatic. We've been walking with Jesus, so he's right here with us. I've been going to church. I've been hanging out with pastor. I've been hanging out with Christian friends. That, surely that's enough for me to, to be able to cast the devil out. This, that's putting it in perspective, okay? Maybe they just took for granted that they could do the works of God because they were with him and walking with him. The disciples thought they had 
the power of deliverance, but when they tried to use what they thought they had, they could not do what they thought they could do. Which absolutely led to a place of discouragement and frustration in their life. So, am I talking to anybody today that how many times we've been discouraged and frustrated because we thought we had power to deliver us from something? And But when we weren't able to resist that temptation when it came, we felt frustration, we felt discouraged, we thought we had the power to resist, but instead we found ourselves giving in to that temptation. Everybody, anybody been there? I have. I thought I had that whooped. And then here it come again. And I got done with Sister Lisa. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I thought I got over that. I thought I, I, thought I, I, thought I was delivered from that. Now, here's the deal. Jesus could resist this temptation because he knew he had the power of deliverance. He had just come off not too long ago where he was fasting and praying for 40 days. And because the disciples were assuming that they had the power of deliverance, actually they were only operating in their own ability. And I think this is where we find ourselves so many times in a Christian walk. We think we've got it overcome. God just gives us a little strength that helps us along the way. But all of a sudden he backs up and leaves us there for a second and said, Okay, let's see if you figure this out yet. Because what he's really trying to do is get us to figure out that we can't do it on our own and we need him. And this is how the soul really prospers is when we realize I can't depend on my own power. I need the power of the Holy Ghost. I need the power of God in my life. They were trying to bring about this deliverance with their own ability, with their own strength, and their own power. But real deliverance will never come by the flesh. It only comes by the Spirit of God. Real deliverance will only come when the Spirit of God is working and operating in our lives. Zechariah 4 and 6 is famous. We know it. Not by might, nor by my power, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That means that in our flesh, we cannot make it happen or force it to happen. I cannot, you guys know how many times when Brother Donnie was trying his best to get his wife Sister Lois to come back to him when everybody had said, Donnie, forget it. She's not coming back. You've got a right to divorce. You've got to just forget it, Donnie. But yet he didn't stop. And how many times did we hear him say, I just want to get the devil and I want to punch him. I mean, we're talking about the diesel was coming out. Big old 6'4", 350-pound Donnie ready to whoop the devil. But... We can't do it that way. Our flesh cannot make it happen. It cannot force it. It is only by the Spirit of God. And if we want real deliverance, and we want to be used in the power of deliverance, and see deliverance come to our church, to our city, then we need to get in the flow of the Spirit. Only by the flow of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, are we going to make it happen. Now, here, here's what I think has happened so many times to us. Samson, Samson, he relied on the Spirit of God, but grew to the place where he took it for granted. And I think is what we find in our church so many times. 
We, we take the Spirit of God for granted. And when that happens, what do we do? We always depend on our flesh. And that's what Samson done, and it got him in a lot of trouble. Because Samson quit doing the things that made his soul prosper. I don't know if he ever really done what he should have done. But when he finally just broke down and just surrendered it totally, he said, okay, I'm just going to go out and shake myself like I've always shook myself, and the Spirit's going to be there. But it wasn't there. One pastor said that, uh, he said, if the Spirit lifted from most of our churches, most of our churches would never know it. He said, in his own words, he said this, we have become too self-dependent. And the revival that we need in Harvest House, the revival that God wants in Marion, Kentucky, the revival that God wants in our families individually, corporately, in Western Kentucky, Kentucky, this world, the revival that He wants, it needs to have a move of the Spirit to bring the real revival and real deliverance to our life. Our soul needs to prosper. Because when our soul begins to prosper, that means the flesh is not necessarily the one that's being encouraged and, and, and prospering. But it's something on the inside of us that, that's being denied of all the other stuff out there. Being denied of what everybody else thinks prosperity is. But something on the inside of us is being fed. And, and, and you know what? But, but when we think real prosperity... We think what this world thinks about prosperity we're thinking oh we're getting our or we're getting our netflix uh uh fixed we're getting our social media fixed we're getting our our news fixed we're getting our shopping fixed our hunting fish and uh, fix and all we can go on and on and on right but jesus answered these you know the disciples is like oh we're hanging with jesus so we can we can do it but jesus answered the question that he was asked by the disciples by saying this this kind of Goes not out but by prayer and fasting. He was saying to them that it takes prayer and fasting to bring true deliverance to somebody. And if our souls and the souls of this city is truly going to prosper, it will come from a church that knows how to pray and fast. And so many people struggle with deliverance in their life because they do not pray in the Spirit and they do not fast on a regular basis. Amen. And we see in the Bible that when Jesus prayed, He desired for them to pray with Him. They found it hard to pray. They found it hard to stay awake. Come on, I'm at some of our houses right now, right? Jesus said, could you not pray one hour? And we also know that according to the scriptures that the disciples of Jesus did not fast. All right? Think about this. Matthew 9, 14. Then came to him the disciples of John saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? Jesus' reply to them was this. He said, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. He knew that as long as he was hanging out with them, they're not going to fast. 
Uh, there's no need in it, right? Oh, here, here's Jesus. We don't, but they found out real quick when a, when a man desired that, that a demon be cast out and they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, I'll tell you why. You've fallen asleep while I'm asking you to pray with me. And you're not fasting like John's disciples did. Wouldn't, that scripture wasn't necessarily condoning the fact that they weren't fasting. He was just making a point. I, I know they don't fast because I'm hanging out with them. It's important that we have a constant awareness in us that we need the deliverance of God. And that only comes through the ability of God. And the ability of God comes through prayer and fasting. Okay? We want real deliverance. We want real revival. It's going to come through us really praying and fasting. The late G.A. Mangan said this one time. He said all these young, young evangelists coming up, they want to have a they want to get out and evangelize the world. I'll tell you how they can do it. I was listening to him because of the time probably back in the 1980s. And I, I'm, at that time, I'm a young evangelist. I'm like, I'm not evangelist, hopeful, you know. I, I never was an evangelist. But I, I was a young preacher, hopeful. I want to be an evangelist because that's what every young preacher says. I want to be an evangelist because it's the limelight, you know. Nobody wants a pastor and all that. But I'm sitting on my edge, and here it comes. One good fast. I'm like, ooh, I don't want that. <laughs> I just want somebody to call. <laughs> Luke 18, 11, 12. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men or extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all I possess. But here's the thing. Fasting, praying and fasting, it don't qualify us to receive from God. Prayer and fasting prepares us to receive from God. Just because you're praying and fasting. This is what this scripture Jesus just said here. Look, you know, this guy saying, oh, I, I'm not like these. I do all this. I do this. They're thinking that qualified them to, to receive some. No, it prepares our spirit to receive from God. It prepares our soul to prosper for the kingdom of God. And Jesus is telling, telling us here that, that prayer, it is that humbling it humbles our spirit and gets us ready to receive in other words we don't deserve anything from god folks to think that we have earned or deserve anything from god that's just not how it works and here's the thing we don't pray and fast to earn a, a, a right to receive from god we pray and fast to prepare our hearts our souls to receive what god's got for us and in order for us to, uh, uh, to pray, we've got to be humble. In order to pray humble, we have to humble ourselves and pray. Anybody, can anybody quote the famous scripture? 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and what? Pray and what? Seek my face and what? Turn for their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their lands. There's some, some things there we got to do first before we get the uh, hearing from heaven and forgiving of sins and, and healing our land. First, we've got to humble ourselves. Then we got to pray. We've got to seek his face and we've got to turn from our wicked ways. God was saying humility precedes prayer. It comes before. We've got to humble ourselves before we even go to that prayer. We gotta, 
and, and, and we, then we turn from our wicked ways. And fasting and prayer prepares our hearts and lives received from God. And here's the thing. God works through humble people. God works through praying people. God works through people that are trying their best to live a righteous, holy life. And if we pray only to receive what God can provide, we're doing nothing more than seeking the hand of God. If only time you ever pray is when you need something from God, all you're doing is seeking His hand and not His heart. The hand of God gives to us. The hand of God, it works for us. But here's the question I've asked this church many times. I don't know if it's, I can't remember now. Um, if I heard it, felt it, I really think I heard somebody else say it. I don't think I'm this smart. By no means. I, I'm pretty sure I heard it from somebody. If God told you that he would never again give you anything that you prayed for, would you still pray to him? One more time. If God told you that he would never again give you anything that you prayed for, would you still pray to him? Very interesting question. Because if I only pray for my needs and not because I want to just talk with God, why would I pray? The truth is, so many people, outside of praying for petition prayers, request, they have very little to say to God. That's the truth. And this is why our soul doesn't prosper. Because all we're seeking from God is what He can give us in our hands, from His hands, and not what He really wants from us, and that is a relationship with Him. He wants our soul to prosper. He wants our soul to prosper by the place that we totally, completely trust God. We ever wonder how God feels about our prayer time? I can relate it to that little guy right there. I just want to hold him. I just want him to reach for me. I just want him to say, Papa. Can you say Papaw tonight? You can't throw the mic like you did stuff on the <laughs> But my heart just thumps when I know he's coming. Now, Jake is still home with us, but when I know they're coming over, they're going to be around, my heart just thumps. My kids are coming to the house, not to see me, to eat or something, but they're going to be there. <laughs> They're just, they're, that, that, that's how God feels. Here they come. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes they do just come. Hey, do y'all got this? Bethany sent me a funny video to her on my phone. I don't, I don't know. You have to see it. It's kind of funny. Basically, it's this kid going to mom and daddy's house with this shopping cart. Start putting all this stuff in there. This little parody weird song, you know, but all the stuff I can get from mom and daddy. Well, that's how we treat God. Oh, yeah, give me this, God, give me that, give me this. It's not just go sit on the couch and say, hey, how y'all doing? I love y'all, miss you. Texas life. 
But, but, but it ought to be, you know, oh, here, 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 comes, here comes chastity. She's going to come talk to me today. Just commune with me. Here, here, Xavier's coming. Man, I can just spend time with him and talk with him and enjoy the fellowship. Myra's coming. I'm going to get to sit down and talk to her. Enjoy talking to her. See, prayer, that, that's, that's what we should desire is that we're seeking the face of God. I just want to see that cute little face and pinch them jaws. Yeah. want to see him just go you know and that's what that's what our time with God should be like that's when our soul is going to be, start prospering it's, it's when God's face reflects his glory that he's so glad to see me and have you ever seen someone come out of prayer and you can tell they've been with God you can tell they've been talking to God their countenance, it's like it's glowing. And you, you know they've, they've had a conversation with God. It's like when Moses come off the mountain in Exodus chapter 34. They could tell he'd been with the Lord because he'd been up for 40 days and he hadn't eaten bread or drank water. And, and his face glued. Everybody knew he'd been with God. And it seems we have a generation that our hands are full, but our face is empty. And therefore, it's created long faces, looking like we've lost our best friends. And we should reflect the glory of God, and that in us, the presence of God is fullness of joy. And we should, that's when our soul is prospering, prospering. And Jesus said, when you fast, what do you do? Wash your face. Put on that happy countenance. We have too many Christians with their face hanging down low. Sad Christians ought not to be, folks. And we've never found the glory of God's face shining back on us that creates that glory that comes back off of us. And this is how our soul begins to prosper. When we start seeking Him. And the way it works is through prayer and fasting. Okay? Prayer and fasting. I mean real prayer. Prayer where you're not just saying, God, give me this. God, give me that. I want this. I want that. But God, I just come to talk to you, God. I just want to know you're here. I just want to feel your presence. I just want to know, God. And be willing to say, God, if you never answer another prayer, I'm going to talk to you anyway because I love you. If you never have nothing else for me. And, and the thing that brings this all together is something none of us like. It's called fasting. And that this is the thing. Fasting is not... It is a new diet program right now. I will say that. It's called intermittent fasting. You can lose weight. If you don't eat, you lose weight. It's pretty simple, right? So, but it is. You can search intermittent fasting. 
YouTube, you can find all kinds of plans out there. People who's not even spiritual, they realize that is fasting is good for your body. It's also will help you lose weight, but that is not the real reason why we fast. The purpose of fasting and the motive should always be to self-deny yourself. Okay, to deny our flesh makes us more sensitive to God's spirit. All right? Fasting is, in Scripture, it was a way of, of, of somebody expressing that, that they needed God and they depended on God. That's what fasting is. It was a way of expressing, I need you, God. And when we fast, you're saying, through our actions of denying ourselves of, of food primarily, but it, nowadays there's a lot of things we need to fast out of our life, but... It's saying, I, I'm not depending on what I need, my flesh, what my flesh can offer, but I'm depending on you. I'm depending on God. I need you, God. That's what, that's what fasting is. Um, several years ago when I was in trade school, this is before I got married, so it's been a long time ago, probably 1990. Probably 1990, um, I went to trade school with a guy that was probably 10, 15 years older than me. He was a, a um, I think it's a church, no, it wasn't Church of God, Assembly of God preacher. He didn't pastor. I noticed every Wednesday, lunchtime, he disappeared. Finally, one day, I asked him, I said, man, where are you going lunchtime? He was real humble, nice guy. He said, well, Wednesday is our church day, and I wouldn't even I wouldn't even preaching then. Okay, I was a Christian, child of God, but I wouldn't even preaching. He said, "Well, it's it's our church day, and I've just always made the habit that I fast every Wednesday." I'm like, "Ooh, that'll be something I do." <laughs> so I have for many years. Uh, our midweek church, when I went to Star Bethlehem, it was Wednesday. I'd fast every Wednesday, at least two meals a day. Uh, not eat till sometime in the evening, and I still do it now. Um, every Thursday, I fast. I'm not saying that bragging or boasting. Anything. I'm just telling what I've put that discipline in my life. And what that's done for me is when God says, I need you to go on a three-day fast. I need you to go on a seven-day fast. I need to go, you to go on a longer fast. It makes it easier because I'm already in a mindset, already in a habit that every week I'm fasting anyway. So it makes it easier for me to do it, okay? In the Bible, we say they fasted twice a week. Now, I don't think they fasted all day long. I think they usually fasted like the work day, 6 to 6. Now, if you hear them stories, and they know they're going to be fasting 6 to 6. When they get up at 5 o'clock, eat like a hog, and wait till after 6 o'clock and do it again. Still, there's 12 hours there you don't eat, right? But... The whole purpose of fasting is to deny our flesh, making us more sensitive to the Spirit of God. Somebody says, how, how does that happen? Because you realize, oh, I'm hungry. And you realize how much you, you're really not hungry. <laughs> Most of us don't know what it's like to be hungry unless you've fasted three or four days. After about the third or fourth day, you realize, well, that's not And it makes you sensitive to that stuff. 
And fasting in the scripture, though, was always a way of somebody saying, I need you, I depend on you, God. It was a way of just saying, God, I, I need you in a way that I'm willing to do whatever I can do I, to depend on you. And fasting is just simply to deny yourself of something. Particularly, it is food. All right? It's real simple. Now, you know how you fast? Don't eat. Not, it's not complicated. But think about this. If you fast once a week, 52 weeks a year, you have fasted 10% of the year or better, right? Put that in perspective. Everybody's quiet because you probably know what's fixing to come after this, right? <laughs> there is something that's called partial fasting. That's what I was talking about. You don't eat one or two meals a day. Um... There is fasting from certain foods, beverages, even taking in some activities in our life. Nowadays, I think it's a very good thing that you turn off social media in your life. Not just social media, entertainment for a period of time. We ought to do that on a regular basis. And uh, just shut it off. Shut, shut the Netflix off. Shut the Hulu off. Turn the news off. Turn it all off. Instead, listen to your Bible, read your Bible, replace when you really would generally do that stuff with something spiritual because it just changes everything. And, and you know, if you're, here, here's the thing. I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm going to just do it anyway. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble. It might make people nervous. If all you do is drink coffee all day long and you don't really eat a lot and you survive on coffee anyway, you decide, I'm going to fast, but I'm going to keep drinking my coffee, then you're probably not really accomplishing a whole lot. Or you're a Dr. Pepper fiend. That's, you know. So I drink, I'm going to fast, so I'm going to drink a case of Dr. Pepper today, and I'll be okay. It's because you've got all kinds of energy to hike and do No. So there's different ways to do this. But the whole point is to make us sensitive to the fact that we realize that our flesh is controlling us too much. And we need to be more sensitive to God. And so many people object to, to fasting, saying, you know what, I need to fast from sin more than I do food. Yeah, you should do both. Or, or today God doesn't demand that, that burden on us. Yeah, He does, really. It's something that, he, well, I guess He don't demand it, but, you know, it'll get you closer to God. Say, it's unnatural for us to go without food and, I'll do it when the Spirit tells me to. About, well, what about when the Word tells you to? But that's why people that, that resist fasting are praying just to get close to God. That's why people are stuck and their soul doesn't prosper, okay? Because fasting and prayer, it turns away the wrath of God from us. Fasting and prayer, it helps us accomplish spiritual goals in our life it helps us to it it helps us in prayer because it helps us to be more sensitive to the things of god it helps to the bible calls it mortify it is to kill it helps us to kill the flesh because your flesh is oh you're hungry go ahead and eat and you say no i'm not eating right now because i want to get closer to jesus it is an act of worship 
And we, we need to take on the burden of fasting. And church, it is time that us as a church, goodness, can we not be shut more? Don't want no more of this. And I know that you don't either. That's why we got people here tonight. But let's don't let this be a passing thing that just shakes us a little bit. But let's take this where we are right now and let's begin to wrestle in prayer, wrestle in fasting for the souls who are dying and going to hell. I spent the last two Thursdays, uh, not last Thursday, but two Thursdays before this, talking about, about the seed and the sower and stuff. And, and, and this is how we're going to water the seed. And this is how we're going we're gonna to get out there, praise God. And, and we're going we're gonna to sow seeds to people. And then we need to come in and begin to fast and pray for these people. Say, oh God, would you touch that guy I met on the street and acted like they was interested in church. And we begin to... I mean, what would happen if somebody you met through the week and, and, and they acted interested in church but they really wasn't like taking the bait to come? If, if you just pushed a couple meals off and you spent about 15 or 20 minutes praying for that individual or even maybe 30 minutes and praying, oh God, would you touch them? Would you let them see my face? Would you help them to want to come to the house of God? And we deny ourselves what we'd be doing. We would be helping somebody deny them Keep them from a burning hell. You might not realize it, but this church was birthed out of fasting. What, September? October? November. That was right at Thanksgiving time. In November, right before we started the church, in 2005, the Lord laid 819 on my wife's heart. We went eight-day fast. It wasn't a total fast. We broke in the middle of it for Thanksgiving. And then went on another 19 days. It wasn't a total fast, but we denied ourselves a lot during that time. It was purpose was for our church and also for, for Jake. And he was, at that time, he had, was hoping that God would heal him of the, the epilepsy he had, the seizures and stuff. God done something greater. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And then just another month or two later, God filled Bethany with the Holy Ghost. Jake was going to church, and Jake looked up, seen a big red moon, had been talking about prophecies and stuff. It scared him to death, and he went to church that night before, that before the first song was over, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Bethany heard a noise somewhere in the house and got scared coming around her room thinking God could come back. She didn't have the Holy Ghost, so in our bed, God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And then right before we started the church, we went on a 10-day fast. Liquid fast. This church was birthed out of that, okay? I'm not saying that to brag on us, but I know that it was birthed out of that. And if we're going to birth something new and go farther from where we are right now, it's not just me and her no more. We've got a body that can come together. If two people fasting like we did in that type of manner, what would happen? We have a church that will bind together. And I'm not telling you to go on an 8-day fast, 19-day fast, or a 10-day fast. But if you've never fasted before and you fast two meals, my goodness, that's going to make the devil mad. And it's going to open your heart up to receive and to prosper in a way it's never prospered before. It is said that if we fast one to three days, it aids in, in subduing our fleshly problems 
our desires and bringing favor and protection and salvation and healing from God. Those of you who are writing scriptures down, scriptures that go along with this, I'm not going to give them all to you, read them all, but it's Colossians 3 and 5. Um, this is, this, some of this stuff here I'm giving you is out of um, Sister Joy Haney's book, When You Fast. Um, Ezra 8, 21 through 31. Esther 4, 13 um, through 8. And Acts 9, 8 through 22, Paul's conversion. Ezra 8, 21 says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahaziah, Ahaziah, how you say that, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek him a right way for us, for our little ones, and for our substance. So one to three days fasting can do a lot to your flesh. If you're fighting something fleshly in your life, you fast one to three days, like you're battling certain things in your life. If you'll deny yourself of food for one to three days, it'll attack your personal flesh and help you overcome that thing. All right? Then they say three to ten days fast helps in breaking yokes in your family, helping you to receive wisdom and understanding. Esther 4, 13 um, through 5 and 11, I think is what it is there. But the book of Esther, we see it in there. So we, we see this happen. If you're having some things in your family, if you're going on a three to ten day fast, it can break yokes and chains in your family. Okay? 2 Samuel 12, 13 through 20. David, we see him do it with Bathsheba when the baby had died. Then 10 to 21 day fast can help break the bands of wickedness and yokes over our city and even our nation. So there's power in fasting. You can read Daniel 8, or Daniel 1, 8 through 20. Daniel 10, 2 through um, 12 and 13. Acts 27, 9 through 14. We see 14 days fast. Here's the thing, though. It is recommended, and I have done it in long fast. If you're going to fast a long period of time, let's say probably more than seven days, it would be very wise to tell some a spiritual authority person in your life. Somebody that uh, you trust, you know it's going to pray for you. Because when you start doing that, you're going to be fighting hell. You don't get on Facebook and broadcast. I'm fasting 10, 15 days. No, don't do that. Okay? Don't do that. Maybe call your pastor. Call your spiritual prayer partner. Say, hey, I'm fixing to go on an extended fast. I know hell's going to be fighting, pushing back against me. I need you to help me pray. Okay? That's necessary. It's, it's something that we need in our life. And that person can help pray you through a, a lot of uh, things that you're going through, okay? Um, those who read your Bible, have you ever noticed that when Israel was in trouble, what did they do? They called fast, wouldn't they? Right? Because when we get filled with pride, we get in trouble, don't we? So, they call for a fast. And what did they do? Humble themselves. They begin to say, God, we need your help. What happened when um, the king of Nineveh heard that in 40 days that Nineveh was going to be overthrown? Anybody know what he done? Less fast. They even had the cows fasting, okay? And what did God do? God delayed their destruction for 100 years. All right? 
And we should not fast just when we're in trouble. We should fast to keep us from getting, uh, keep us out of trouble in our lives, okay? And we should never only pray and fast because we're in trouble. It should be something that prepares us for it, okay? Now, I'm fixing bringing this to the close. And this is what my whole point of where I'm going with this. We have a youth revival coming up at the end of this month, okay? Um, those dates for the youth revival, and be praying about that. I, I don't want COVID to mess this up, okay? And I know where we're at. I hope to goodness we don't have to start going against any, anything like that. I, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but let's just pray this thing dies down. We'll, we'll be okay, all right? So today we're setting it August 12th. Youth Revival starts August 29th. Is that correct? We have various preachers coming and preaching different times. Brother Heath Travis will be here on the 3rd and also on that Labor Day weekend to close out that Youth Revival. So I'm asking, I'm not asking you to fast seven days. If you feel the need to fast seven days, please, by all means, fast seven days. I am asking us for them seven days, if at all possible, and I don't know why it would not be possible to turn off social media for a week. It would be great. And, I, and if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I can't do that, then you really need to do it. <laughs> if it's that much of a hold on you, you might want to think about turning off for your life. <laughs> so, starting this Sunday, I'm asking everybody that will. I want to make sure somebody is fasting every day. Starting this Sunday which will be the 15th. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So all the way through the Saturday. I want to make some, sure somebody's fasting every day. All right? I, I would love to know that somebody's fasting every hour of every day. If you feel like fasting multiple days, please do it by all means, okay? Um, if, you wanna, if, you've, if you've never fasted seven days in your life, unless you feel like God is telling you to fast seven days, I would recommend you not fast seven days. But if God's telling you to do it, you better fast seven days. But I'm challenging you to fast every day something, okay? I'm not telling you to fast food every day, but I'm telling you to fast something every day. So you may fast, you may fast on, start on that Sunday and say, hey, I, I'm not, I'm not going to eat nothing today. And then the next day you might say, well, I'm, I'm only going to eat fruits and vegetables this day. I'm not going to go through all the different types of fasts and all that, but I'm asking us that we could pray and fast for the next seven days starting on the 15th. And we would be fasting, praying for this youth revival. Thank God we got some extra youth here tonight. Give them a good hand. I'm glad you're here. But we want to see revival in our young people. And also with that, let's pray for the loss of our city. Let's pray that these, this tragedy we've been through will not be a waste and it will continue to steer souls up and they'll come to the house of God. I'm asking you to fast every day something. If it's food all seven days, great. If it's not, fast something. Fast your coffee. Fast your whatever it is. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life for that seven days. And then the next seven days, we're going to start doing prayer walks in our city okay probably on that uh, I, I hope I'm not running over top of anything with some of these dates that I'm looking at 
our prayer, our youth, uh, our youth week is going to be starting on the 29th. So maybe on that 28th, that'd be like the end of that prayer walk week. Maybe we can have a, a corporate thing that we gather somehow within the city. We have people uh, praying around our courthouses, praying around all of our. We just want we want to destroy the prince of this city and let them know you are not in control of this city. God has this city. This is our city. Hallelujah! This is God's city, and we're coming against you in the name of Jesus. So. I'll try to get that more out there. We have a map back there. I'd like us to, whether you have a prayer walk, if you just drive through the city, just praying. Every time you see somebody, we'll give them a card and say, hey, I want to invite you to Youth Week. I want to invite you to uh, our church. I want to invite you. Or, or do you even want a Bible study? Because when we come out of prayer and fasting, let's expect that God's going to do something, okay? And if, and if you want to continue that trend after the seven days, just keep on doing it, all right? I'll, I'll bring this to close because see prayer and fasting are what produces our relationship and our dependence on God so closing this tonight weakness and hunger are a part of fasting you've got to understand that I've literally heard people say I can't fast because I get a headache you know why you get a headache you're addicted to sugar you have, you're having a detox going on in your body. You get a headache because all that toxins is running out of your body. And it's just like you're coming off uh, some kind of medicine, which you kind of are. You're detoxing. And you're going to get a headache. You're going to get irritable. You're going to get grouchy. All right? If you've got your spouse or your kids are fasting and they get grouchy, give them some long stuff and realize you're detoxing, okay? <laughs> But here's the thing, 2 Timothy 2 and 12 says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. 1 Peter 4 and 1 says, For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. He that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. The word of God says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. And it also says that they that have suffered in the flesh have ceased from sin. So we're fasting and praying to draw closer to God. And here's the thing. You say, I'm going to fast three days. Or let's just do one. I'm going to, Sunday, you're saying, I'm going to fast tomorrow. You wake up and you forget about it. And you've got the bagel in your mouth chewing on it already. What do you do? You don't scrap your fast today. All right? Finish your bagel if you want to and fast the rest of the day. Or either say, oh, man, I'll do it tomorrow. All right? Don't. Don't let it get you down because it's going to happen. I don't know how many times it's happened to me in my life. And you're, here's the thing. Don't let that guilt destroy you. Get back to it, all right? And, and, if you, and if you come to a situation where you're just completely, you're weak, you just feel like you can't go no farther, get you some raisins and eat them. Get you a teaspoon of honey and stick it in your mouth. Eat you a little bit of fruit or something to just give you some strength to make you go a little farther, all right? Fasting's not designed to kill you. It's designed to make you sensitive to God. All right? And if you go longer than three days, you're going to notice you've gotten over a hump. If you've ever fasted longer than three or four days, once you get past the fourth day, it's not hard. You may not believe that if you never fasted. 
Now, if you've gone longer than that, I can promise you, when you get on stretching out into the teens, it's a little bit different. Then you start getting weak. And if you're going to go on long fast, start it right and end it right. If you end it wrong, I promise you, you won't enjoy it. <laughs> Been there and done that and got the t-shirt. You will not enjoy it, all right? My last scripture. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in seasons. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. If our souls is to prosper, there are two things that we must do. We must pray that seek God's face, and fast, that's to deny our flesh. And if we can consistently do those two things with the proper motive, we will have the power of deliverance in our lives that devils will fear when you walk inside of a room. If we have that consistency in our life that we know how to pray and seek God's face, and we know how to fast and deny ourselves of their flesh, you can walk in the room and the devils are going to go somewhere else because they know there's power inside of us. Lord, we ask you to help us today. God, I know I've probably been more information-wise tonight versus inspiration. I hope there's been some inspiration in the middle of it too. But God, I'm asking, Lord, we're in a place in our church right now that we are primed for the greatest revival that we've ever seen. And God, we know that this place that we are right now we need to seek your face like never before. We need to deny our flesh like never before. And we can see the greatest revival our church has ever seen, Lord. Oh, God, in this area. Not for a name for ourselves, but a name for you, Lord. And, God, I'm asking that you would help us here tonight. Lord, in your precious name, God, I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. Help us today. Help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm challenging you. Prayer, fasting. Prayer, fasting. I challenge you to pray during this seven days. A period where you're not asking God for anything. Okay? You have a period of the day that you don't pray. You're not saying, God, give me this, help this. I want you to pray and say, just tell him how much you love him. Just tell him how much you're thankful. Just let him know. Just have a time of praise and thanksgiving in that prayer. Because if we would learn to pray God's list, our list would get shorter. Because when we think about mind the things of God, he'll take care of our stuff. So anyway, that's what I felt, been feeling this. And actually had, had thought about doing that last week and everything went crazy and happened. I thought, oh, oh goodness, this Cheryl asked me, what are we going to do about it? we saw We've been talking about doing the fasting. And she said, what are we going to do? Just got to look in the calendar today. This week, thinking about it. You know what? It's still going to work out perfect. So, um, so challenging. Pray about it. Ask God what he wants you to do. And uh, as a body, we're going to see great revival. Amen. Give the Lord a great big hand.